And so you, uh, you open your heart and be receptive to the word of God. I want to read two places. In Acts 27, I want to read verses 9 through 11. And then I want to jump over toward the end of that chapter. And I want to start at verse number 41 and read all the way through the end of the chapter. The Bible said this, Now when much time was spent, when sailing was now dangerous, uh, because the fast was now already past, Paul admonished them and said to them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. Now go with me if you would to verse number 41. And falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground. And the forepart stuck fast and remained unmovable, and the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. And the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land, and the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. I like that last part right there where it says all safe. Amen, I like that part. I want to preach to you tonight, the Lord will help me, and I want to take my, my, my text from these two places, and we're going to look at several other verses in this chapter. Uh, but I want, I want us to look and I want us to examine uh, how Paul responded when his counsel was rejected. I want to show you how, I want us to look how Paul responded, and this is what the Bible said, he, when he admonished them, but they chose not to listen to his admonishment. I'm going to make a statement right here, then we're going to pray. Uh, it'll cost you to not listen to the word of God from the man of God. Amen, amen. Let's bow our heads, let's pray together. Father, we love you tonight, and dear God, I come to you in Jesus' sweet name, and God, I realize that, that within me that is in myself dwelleth no good thing, and Father, I need your help tonight, and I plead with you, I ask you to help me, I ask you to strengthen me, I ask you to illuminate the things that I've looked and studied to my mind, guard my lips, that they would not be just a frivolous lips that would just babble thoughts and ideas, but God, I pray you'd help my tongue to be tempered by the Holy Ghost. And God, you'd help the ears of those that listen. God, help us all tonight not to be just hearers of the word, but God, help us to be doers as well. Now, Father, I pray you'd bless the man of God and those that are gone on the trip, give them safety. God, I'll agree I'll, I, with Matthew 18, 19. I'll come into agreement with my brother. I pray for safety and protection. I pray that there would be no sickness or nothing that would hinder their trip. God, just bless them and help them to have a good time. Now, Father, we love you, and we thank you for loving us. Bless this church. Bless Bible Baptist Church. God, continue to let this place be a lighthouse to this community, to this country, and all the way around this world. We ask these things in Jesus' sweet name, 
Amen and amen. You can be seated. Now you'll find as the introduction I want to look at in the word of God, we find this. You know that it was the will of God for Paul to be brought before Caesar and he's in that process of making his way there and there's a lot of things that transpire and I'm not, I don't want to get tangled up in all those. But what it comes down to is, is this, that they're uh, on their way to Rome and Paul uh, begins to admonish them about some direction in the, in the, in the uh, sailing of this ship. Verse number nine said, uh, time was much spent, sailing had become dangerous uh, because the fast was past. Paul admonished them and this is what Paul said in verse number 10. He said, sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage. Now I want to say this right here. Now there might be a reason, there might be a little bit of an inclination why maybe they weren't that respective or that receptive of, uh, of the statement that Paul made. Number one, it may have been this. It may have been number one because he was a prisoner. Now, even though he was uh, probably afforded a little bit more liberty than most prisoners were, but he was still just a common prisoner. But then I want to say this. We also know that Paul's trade of choice was not sailing ships, but it was what? He was a preacher of the gospel, but what did he do as his normal trade? A tent maker. So now, now we've got a preacher, a tent maker, uh, and a prisoner telling us how to sail our ship. And so I believe they, maybe they discredited the uh, admonition of Paul, maybe based upon those things. And, or I don't know exactly what the reason was, but the fact is, is this, they refused his admonition neither here nor there. And I want to say something, and we'll say this because I will come back to this in just a minute. Uh, even though he, he may have to them looked very unqualified, God's man in his place doing God's will and doing God's work and giving God's word, his admonition needs to be listened to. It'll cost you. I'm going to say this tonight. I'll probably say it a lot, but it'll cost you not just, just not listening to the word of God, but it'll cost you not listening to the man of God too. Amen. I've not got time to deal with it tonight. That's another message for another time. But you go back through the scripture and you look at the people that shun the message of the man of God. You looked at people that, that questioned the leadership of the man with God and it never did really go good for them at all. So Paul sets out, or they, they set out, and the Bible said this in verse number 11, that nevertheless the centurion and the master and the owner of the ship, uh, the, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And so what happens? We find this. In verse number 12, they begin to take out on their journey. I want to preach to you on this thought tonight. We find Paul here in verse number 11 and actually, verse number 10, if you really want to be technical about it, we don't find Paul's identification at all after verse number 10. We don't see Paul appear back on the scene until verse number 21. Now, we're going to look at it, and there's a lot of things that happen between verse number 10 and verse number 21. I'm going to plant a thought in your mind. Where'd Paul go? I mean, we understand we're on a ship, 
and we understand that it's sailing. And, and I want to say this, we understand that things are fixing to get very rough. So number one, I want to say this, we look at this. If you would go with me to verse number 20, number one, I want to say this, we see the impending doom that takes place upon this ship. Look at verse number 20, what the Bible said. The Bible said, when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. Number one, we see the impending doom. We see the vor- the warning that I've told you about in verse number 10. In verses number 11 and 13, uh, we see their wanting. They didn't have any wanting. Look, uh, verse number 11, they didn't believe Paul. Uh, they sailed on because the uh, uh, the haven where they were in, verse 12, was not commodious to winter in. Uh, and they advised to depart. Then they left there and they went on. Uh, and in verse number 13, uh, that a south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose. Loosing from thence, they sailed on to Crete. I mean, things going pretty good. I mean, we, oh, we didn't listen to the man, man of God. We didn't listen to the old tent maker. We didn't listen to Paul. But hey, things going pretty good. I mean, sailing's pretty good. We got out of that haven where we was at. It was just a little too cramped. The Bible said it was not commodious. That meant that, meant that there wasn't legitimate space and room. It was crowded and it, it, they were out of place. And so they said, we just need to get out of here. Even though they'd been warned not to get out of there. We see the, the warning, we see their wanting. But then I want to say this in verses 14 15, we see the wind. The Bible said this, but not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Euryclidon. Can I say this? Uh, can I say something? Uh, that's not just like some little March wind that you and I think about. Can I say something? This storm blowed in uh, of a vicious, vicious degree. And I mean in a ship that's in the middle of the ocean, it begins to rock and it begins to knock it around and it begins to toss it. And in verse number 14, 15, we see this, that the Bible said this, that the ship was caught and they could not bear up into the wind. What that means is we couldn't control the ship in this wind, so we just let her drive. Can I make a statement right here? If you're not very careful in your life, if you don't heed the word of God and you don't heed the man of God and you don't heed the instruction of God, it's very not, it won't be very long down the way that you'll see your life caught in this world, in this tempestuous world that we lived in and you'll be finding yourself saying, you know what, this world's bigger than me. It's knocking me, it's throwing me around and I can't do nothing about it. I've met a lot of people who thought they were bigger and better only to find out they weren't. We see the wind. But then I want to say this. We see the waste. Look at verse number 18. And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day the Bible said this, that they lightened the ship. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. Can I say this? They, in, 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 the, in verse number 18, they're throwing out the cargo, but in verse number 19, it says they're throwing the tackling over. You know what the tackling is? The tackling is that which is necessary to sail successfully. You say, preacher, what are you trying to say? I'm saying this. They lost sight. There was an impending doom by listening and by, by not listening and heeding of the man of God's uh, direction. They found themselves in this place and the doom that was upon them uh, to the point that they just said, we let her drive. We gave up to the course of the wind. We, we surrendered ourselves for the wind and I ain't been ugly. If you've ever, and I have one time, uh, I'd been, uh, been deep sea fishing. I'd had a, a friend of mine took me deep sea fishing and, and we went out, I mean, went out 
almost two and a half, almost three hours out into the ocean and we were coming back late that evening and can I tell you something, on our way back there was a storm blew in and I was on a probably a 17, uh, 18 foot boat and I mean it was just a small boat, normally housed about six fishers but there was just four of us and can I tell you something, when we got to coming back, I mean the way, the winds was calm, the waves were still and I mean in just a matter of moment that storm blowed in up on that coast and when it did, that boat started hitting them waves and dropping, hitting them waves and dropping and there was one time I was holding on to a bar at the back of that ship and I looked straight out and the water was up over my head. Now I want to say something. The captain seemed to have everything under control. The first mate was putting all the stuff that was flying around down and was tying it down. Uh, Everybody else seemed to be calm, but can I say this? I was not in a good place. That wall of water in front of me, and for a second I, I had a spiritual thought, and I thought, well, this is what it must have been like when they crossed the Red Sea, amen? Wall of water right there. And son, and I'm not a seasick type person, but then when that, when that boat would come over those waves and it would smack it, I started to say smack the ground, but it wasn't the ground. When it smack that water, son, it'd jar everything in us. And anyhow, that captain kept looking around saying, hold on, hold on. I thought, uh, lesson learned. I'm holding on, amen. And I mean, it was a rocking and it was reeling. And then we'd rock to the side and the other side. And then we'd rock front and back. It was crazy. Can I be honest with you? I was scared. You say, why? Because the storm was bigger than me. I want to make a statement right here. What's, that, what, what's outside the will of God and what you run into contrary to the word of God and what you run into contrary to the warning of God is very dangerous. We're living in, I want to say this, we're living in a day where people don't fear sin no more. You say, how do you know that? All you got to do is look at social media and tell you people don't fear sin no more. Amen. You say, well, you shouldn't bring social media uh, into the church. Listen, if you made it social, it's open game. Amen. It amazes me the things that people are doing that profess to be God-loving, God-honoring, Holy Ghost-filled Christians. You say, oh, why, preacher? Because they have no fear. They believe they can handle it. They know, well, it may get a little rough and rocky, but I've sailed rough seas before. But you don't understand, this ship was in a place where they come to a place where, where all hope that they should make it was taken away. We see the impending doom. Then number two, I want to say this. Not only do we see the impending doom, but here we see the intercessor's door. Verse number 21, the Bible says this, and I told you that Paul's gone but after long abstinence. Well, I'm not being ugly. Have you ever stopped and really thought about that? Where'd he go? I mean, this ship's in the middle of the ocean, and now it's being knocked and jarred around by a Euryclidon, a very tempestuous wind. Where'd he go? All I know is, is this. The Bible said it was abstinence. That, mean he was, that means he was out of place. He was gone from their sight. This is what I'll be honest with you, I believe the Bible teaches us here. You know what I believe Paul did? I believe he found him and made him a prayer closet. Amen. And I think the scripture is fixing to bear that out. And this is why I've refrained telling you the subject that I'm preaching on because I wanted to get you to this point. After long abstinence, all of a sudden, 
Paul shows up again and he stood forth in the midst of them. So that tells me two things. Number one, he was gone. And number two, he wasn't with them. So now we see that he's now back in their presence and he's right up in the middle of them. And the first thing out of his mouth, the very first thing out of his mouth is this. Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me. Amen. You say, well, I'm telling you, I don't really think, you know, I hear people say, well, you know, there's a time to say something and then there's time. Can I tell you something? Paul didn't care if it was the right time or not. He said, listen, you're here because you rejected my word and you rejected God's direction. And church, you listen to me. It ought to, it, it, there ought to be a fear. And I'm not talking about that cowering kind of fear where we're like a whooped dog or, a, or an abused animal or something like that. But there ought to be a fear and a reverence for God that it scares us about not being in the will of God. It ought to scare us about not being obedient to God. It ought to scare us that we don't walk in accordance to the precepts of the word of God. This is what I want to preach to you on. On prayer meeting makes a difference. I think Paul, in verse number 10, we don't see him mentioned no more. Uh, I believe after verse number 10, I believe when they, whenever they, when they cut loose that ship and refused his admonition, I think Paul went and found him a place, a quiet, private place. And I want to say this. I'm just going to say this. We're going to move on. Isn't it amazing that when he went to that place, he didn't allow the roughness of the situation drive him away from that place but he stayed in that place. The Bible said this, we see the intercessor's door. I believe from verses, and you say, well, how, how long has he been in there? I'll be honest with you, I think he was there a long time. Can I, can you say, can you prove that? I think I can, look with me. Verse number 11, I told you we don't see him mentioned. The last thing we see uh, is his admonition in verse 10, but we don't see him after verse number 11. But look what happens, verse number 14 is when the storm blows in. Verse number 15, verse number 16 is whenever it begins to get rough. But look what happens in verse number 18. The Bible says this, and we being exceedingly tossed the next day. Okay, so here it is. From the day the storm started, now we're done to the next day. So that's one day. But look in verse number 19. And then, and, and, and the third day. Now that's one day. That's, that, now we're on the third day. So Paul's been gone, we know at least at this point, for three days. Hold on, we're not done. Verse 20, and when neither sun nor star is in what? Many days. Many. Now we've gone from the next day to the third day. Now we're at many days. Look what the Bible said. And many days appeared and no small tempest lounge. All hope that we should be saved was then taken away. We just gave up hope. When they lost all their hope and confidence in their self, isn't it amazing that's when Paul steps back on the scene. Can I tell you something? That that they had confidence in that caused them to reject God's man has now been dismerited and disqualified. The master and the owner of the ship, all their great knowledge and ability and all that kind of stuff was worth nothing. So you know what happened? Paul don't get mad and he don't get upset. I want to say something right here. Can I tell you something? Everybody ain't going to always listen to you. Amen. Everybody's not going to always listen to your admonition. Every, as, as a preacher, everybody's not going to always follow the direction that I preach and that I teach, that I lay down. But can I tell you something? One thing about it is, is even though they may not follow me today, God's allowed me to plant a seed they cannot forget tomorrow. 
And see, the fact of the matter is, is this. When Paul uh, goes to this private place and he's this abstinence place, this place where he's out of their presence, he's praying, he's interceding, he's talking to God, and all of a sudden when all their confidence in what caused them to leave the haven in the first place has been stripped and disqualified, then God lets Paul step back on the scene. And can I say this? Whenever folks don't listen to you and they don't uh, do what you say and agree with you and, and, and they, maybe they refuse your word and your admonition, can I say something? God help us not to be like some and get mad and swell up and say, oh, uh, you ain't gonna listen to me. Just, and I've heard people say this, you ain't gonna listen to me, just go to hell then. Yeah. What a terrible thing. What a terrible thing to say. Paul didn't get mad and swell up. You know what he could? He could have just went over and he, he could have just went over and tied himself to a ship rail and said, well, do your best and see how good it gets you. But he didn't. You know what he did? He prayed. Some of you tonight, you're frustrated about life, things that ain't fixed and won't work out and people that won't do right. Can I say something? Don't get mad. Pray. Look what he said. Prayer meeting makes a difference. We see, the, we see the entrance into the door, verses 11 through 21, but then we see the experience behind the door. Look what he said to him in verse number 21. He said, sirs, you should have hearkened to me and not loosed from Crete to have the, gain this uh, harm and this loss. He said, you're suffering because you didn't listen to me. You're suffering because you rejected my, God's man. You're suffering because you've rejected God's word. Yeah. Look what he said right here. Verse, verse number 23, look, let me just give you this right quick. Look what he said. He said, for there stood by me this night the angel of God whose I am, whom I serve. We see his experience behind the door. Can I say something? He may have went to that solitary place, but he was not by himself. You say, preacher, what are you trying to say to us now? I'm trying to say this. There'll be times that people will not listen to what you've got to say. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I've got two children that are, that are out on their own, living their own lives, doing their own thing, uh, their life, they married and gone. And all that. I still got one at home. That one that's at home, I can still tell her what to do. And she knows if she doesn't, there's a price to pay for not doing it. There's a price for disobedience. She, she knows it. But I want to say something. When your kids get out on their own, they can do what they want to do. And I want to say this. They'll do it whether you like it or not. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Say amen right there. And you know what? And I've learned from experience, you can harp and complain and gripe and bellyache, or you can just pray. I told my oldest the other day, I said, I love you. And I said, I love you with a love I cannot even explain to you. And I said, you may run from my words, but you cannot run from my prayers. Amen. You say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. Prayer meeting makes a difference. He said this, then we see the experience behind the door. But then we see the exit from the door. He shows back up in the midst of them. But then I want to look at this real quick. We see the intercessor's declaration. Verses 21, latter part of verse number 21, 22. Look what he said. He said, you should have not loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and this loss. And can I say something? Don't forget what he told them in verse number 10. He said, he said I want to tell you something. He said, it's, not going, it's, it's going to be, this voyage will be with hurt and much damage. But he said this, not only of the lading and the ship, but also our lives. He told them in verse 10, if you leave this place, it'll be death. 
Now, I'm going to go back again and we'll say this and we'll keep repeating it. There's a price to pay for not listening to the word of God. And there's a price to pay for not listening to the man of God. He told him in verse number 10, it's going to be harm and it's going to be lost, not only of the lading and the ship. He said, but our lives are in danger. Can I say something tonight? I, I, I want to say this, and God help us come to this awareness. Can I tell you something? I th- sometimes I think we don't realize just how detrimental and how dangerous it is when we flippantly treat the word of God as optional. We see, we see the uh, intercessor's declaration, his company. In verse number 23, he said, you know what? He said, uh, he said the, uh, for there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am, whom I serve. Can I say this? He wasn't by himself in that prayer place. And I just want to go ahead and clear it up right quick. Uh, and I, I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here, but I'm just going to say it for saying it's sake. Can I tell you something? We're not talking about some, some little fat cherub with little wings. He said the angel of God, and I will say this, uh, we're not talking about one of the archangels either. You say, well, who is it then, preacher? Well, I'll be honest with you. Uh, There ain't but one person who he served, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll find that many times Jesus Christ was identified as the angel of God. And so I believe Jesus showed up in that prayer meeting. Amen. You say, preacher, it's one thing he went to the prayer closet, but I'm going to say this, he wasn't by himself in the prayer place. Jesus showed up in the prayer place. You say, why? It's a shipload of rebellious individuals. It's a shipload uh, that's under the judgment of God because they've refused God's word and they've refused God's man, but yet there's one man knows how to go and steal away and secure God's presence on the ship. I'll be honest with you, it bothers me. And I said this a few weeks ago in a church I was in, and it went over about like a lead balloon. But it, it, I, it, it's worth saying again. It, it, it amazes me how much of a little of a priority is put on prayer at the house of God anymore. I said something about a cottage prayer meeting. There was three rows of young people on the front didn't even know what I was talking about. They was like, And I ain't been over there. They didn't know when I said cottage, I was talking about a house. They went back to nursery rhyme days, Hansel and Gretel, amen. <laughs> and I said, I said, y'all know what a cottage prayer meeting is. And they, and they looked at each other bumfuzzled. Never heard of a cottage prayer meeting. The Bible said this. We see the company, the angel of God. Then we'll say this, we see the consolation. Look in verse number 24, what the Bible said. And this is what he said to him. He said, uh, fear not, Paul. Can I say something? It's amazing to me. Jesus, Paul was the only person that Jesus was talking to on this ship. He said, fear not, Paul. He said, thou must be brought before Caesar. And look at this next statement that he makes. And he said, lo, he said, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. You say, preacher, what's that mean? Uh, did, did Paul own them now? No, that's not what it meant. 
That meant that in that prayer place, in that, in, that, in that solitary place where Paul went, and we can understand through what we've seen as a response of answer to prayer, Paul went to that place. Why did he go to that place, preacher? Because he told them in verse number 10, if you leave this haven, it's going to be with hurt and damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also our lives. If you do it, it's going to cost, it's going to cost bad, and some people are not even going to live to come off this ship. And so when they reject him and they refuse him, Paul doesn't let him make it mad. He doesn't bow up. He doesn't say, well, y'all a bunch of unspiritual individuals. If you want it that way, you can have it that way. I'm just going to go over here at this prayer place and I'm going to pray for myself and nobody else. But he didn't do that. The angel of God said, I'll tell you what, Paul, since you've done this, he said, God has given thee all them that sail with thee. What's that mean? That means that God has heard the cry of God's man. And whatever, whatever it was, and we're going to look at that in a minute, whatever it was that he asked for, he said, God's giving it to you. Amen. Look what he said. We see this. We see the company. We see the consolation. So here, here Paul is trying to tell these men what the Lord spoke to him and what he's told him. And he looks at him, and this is what he said. He said, they say, Paul, fear not. Uh, he said, for God has given thee all these that say with him. And look at he said, Paul, he said, wherefore, sirs? Now, now, understand who he's talking to. Now he's talking to this whole bunch on this ship that feels like they're about to die. And I want to say something. You need to understand, while all this is going on, this ship is still rocking and reeling. The waves are still dashing. The rain is still falling. I mean, this, this Euryclidon is still on full force while everything's going on. And look what Paul says to him in verse number 25. He said, wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. Second time he's done told them to cheer up. He said, be of good cheer, because look what he said. And why, why should we cheer up, Paul? Why should we cheer up? He said, because I believe God. He said, he said, hey, just cheer up. I know the rain's still falling. I know the lightning's still crashing. The thunder's still booming. The ship's still rocking. I know all that. Just cheer up, because I believe God. Well, I ain't been ugly right here, but let's just be honest about it. He had been locked up in the prayer place with the, with the, with the angel of God, amen. He had been there, but they had not been. You say, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying this. I'm saying prayer meeting makes a difference. Let's look on. Look what the Bible said. And let me just give you this real quick and we'll move on. It's amazing to me that after Paul tells them these things and he reveals these things to them, uh, the Bible said this in verse number 26. Uh, he, he said, we've got to be cast upon a certain island. He said, God's got a plan. He's working. And this, God's, God's got this thing under control. But look in verse number 27. He said, but when the 14th night. Now here we are, 14 nights now. 14 nights now. And we're still rocking and reeling. And the shipmen, they, they thought they were going to lose their life. So they start dropping the, uh, dropping the ropes to see how deep the water is. And they sounded it, and it was 20 fathoms. And it went down a little further, and they sounded again. It was 15. And so the water's getting more shallow and more shallow and more shallow. And the Bible says this, the shipmen, were, in verse 30, were about to flee. They're just about to jump ship. But look what Paul tells them. And I mean, they started to cast anchors and they was out of there. But Paul said to the centurion, he said to the soldiers, he said, except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. He said, he said, God's given us a promise. He said, but if you're going to have the promise of God, you're going to have to stay with the ship. Yeah. And there's so many types I could be preaching here, but I'm trying to get to a certain place. 
Can I say something? Thank God this time they listened to the man of God instead of refusing his admonition. You say, preacher, what do you say? I'm saying this. It was still rough. It was still, I mean, it was bad. And can I tell you something? I mean, it's to the point, listen, the soldiers, uh, they cut off the ropes of the boat and they just let her fall off. And I mean, they just literally full-fledged have now got to a place where they are under the full direction and the full submission of this year of Clydon. Verse number 34, Paul steps in. He said, I, he said listen, he said, they're fasting and they, and, and they won't eat. He said, you need to, he said, you need to take some meat. He said, because he said, you're sick, you're, you're weak, you can't, you're, you're in a bad place, you need to take some meat. This is for your health. And look what he makes this statement. He said, For there shall not a hair fall off from the head of any of you. Now I'll say something. You do remember that we're talking about 276 men on this ship. And Paul jumps up in front of all of them, tells them, he said, listen, he said, get something to eat. Because all your fasting and all your wailing and all your worrying is doing no good. He said, I've done talk to God. You get something to eat. And he said, I tell you what, he said, there's not even going to be a hair fall off your head. I don't know about you, but these men are at least 14 days, if not more now, into a year of Clydon. That's a serious, serious storm. That, that, that pales in comparison uh, to, to typhoons and hurricanes and stuff like that. But he says, I tell you what, he said, God is so, God, so good to carry you that not even my hair is going to fall off your head. Can I tell you something? The fact of the matter is, is this. The fact of the matter is, is this. I'll be honest with you in all sense, and I'm not trying to be funny. Uh, for me, that's not a lot to worry about, amen? And some of you in the same boat, amen? But can I tell you something? For 276 men, for Paul to be able to stand with boldness and say, there's not even going to hair fall off anybody's head. And I'm not being ugly, but we do understand they are fixing to be cast into the sea and they're going to swim all the way to shore, some of them. The rest of them are going to float on boards, but there's not going to be a hair fall off their head. Can I say something? Prayer meeting makes a difference. Look at this. We see the impending doom, the intercessor's door, the intercessor's declaration, but now we see the imparted deliverance. Look in verse number 41. You know what happens here, and I'm going to give you this real quick. Falling into a certain place where the two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the forepart stuck and remained unmovable, and the hinder part was broken by the violence of the wave. If I can paint a picture, is where these two seas come together, they ran that ship aground, and the force of, that, of those two seas coming together literally ripped the back end of the ship off. And so now uh, there's what, there's the, the ship's broken, there are, lives are fixing to, uh, to be lost, and, and all of a sudden Paul stands up. And, and, and you know, this, and I'm not going to go through all this because you know this, but the, the reason why the soldier was going to kill the prisoners is because if he came back and those prisoners had escaped, it was going to be his life on the line. So it would be better for him to be able to say, I killed every one of them so they should, couldn't escape, but, they, but, but, but Paul stopped him and said, don't do that. And look what happens in the next verse. The next verse, look what takes place. The Bible said this, uh, he kept them from their purpose. And so he said, those of you that can swim, uh, first of all, cast yourself into the sea and get to land. And the rest of you get aboard or a broken piece of the ship and it came to pass that they escaped all safe yes. to land. 
You say, what are you saying? I'm saying this. We see a protection that's revealed in verse number 43. Don't kill them. It's going to be, they swam. They floated. We see the provisions that are revealed in verse number 43 and 44. But then we see a promise that's revealed. You say, but preacher, hold on. And this is where Bible skeptics like to try to pull the word of God apart. And the fact of the matter is this. But didn't he say in verse number 10 that it was going to be of much hurt and damage of the ship, the lading of the ship, but also our lives? But now we find that all of them make it safe to land. Is the Bible contradicting itself? Absolutely not. What made the difference, church? I'll tell you what made the difference. A man that didn't have an attitude because he was rejected and his words were refused, but a man that loved the lives of those men more than he loved his pride and his ego. And so when they said, no, we're not going to listen to you, he didn't fuss, he didn't cuss, he didn't do anything, he just went and found him a prayer place. Prayer meeting makes a difference. Now, if my thinking is right, I've preached 31 minutes to you. I want to ask you a question tonight. I wonder if tonight, if I could say this, are you going to believe God? Can I say this? When the majority is departing, are you going to believe God? Are you going to believe God when our means are depleting? Can I be honest with you? I want to say this. I've never been able to fulfill the will of God with great abundance. There's always been adequate provision, but never great abundance. And I'm going to say, are you going to believe God when the morning is delaying, sun, the moon, many days it appeared. It's still dark, preacher. It's still dark in my life. It's still dark in my situation. That loved one's still not home. That person that, I, that I'm believing God to bring home, they're still not home. Can I tell you something? And, and I know it's a parable, but just, just give me a little leeway right here. Can I tell you something? You know there's a beautiful principle that we don't ever hear dealt with a whole lot. Uh, but, but I want to admonish you about it tonight. Have you ever stopped to think about the story of the prodigal son? Do you remember the Bible said this whenever he uh, got in the hog pen and he came to himself and he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? And he said, I'm going back home to my father's house. And the Bible said this when he was a great way off. Who saw who? It said his father saw him when he was a great way off. You know what that tells me? That tells me that that father never lost the anticipation of his son's return. Uh, some, of you, some of you need your answer to come. You need, you need that wayward child to come home. You need, that, you need that prayer answered, whatever it would be, whether it's a wayward family member or it's uh, whatever. I don't know what it is. Uh, you could put a hundred different things there, but I'm talking about you need to see that prayer answered and it hasn't answered yet. But that father, even though uh, that son didn't come, uh, get, didn't come home the day before, he still looked. When he didn't come home this day, he didn't look. But the day he did come home, he was looking for him to come home. I don't know when your answer is going to come, but I want to say this. Prayer meeting makes a difference. 276 men's lives were spared and they were given to Paul because he went to that private place. And I'm going to be honest with you, he had a good enough prayer life that, that, that Jesus said, I'm going to have to show up for this one. 
And I got a funny feeling the reason why he could stay that many days in that that prayer place is because if you've got the Son of God there with you, I imagine the rocking of a ship and a few things being tossed around is probably the last thing on your mind. I want to say this. You have a God that loves us and has given his son for us and he's proved his love for us. But I want to say this. He didn't stop at our salvation. He said, it's expedient for you that I go away because if I go not away, the comforter cannot come. But when he has come, he's going to guide you into all truth. And we know that, that, that comforter, that word paraclete, means that one that comes alongside. He said over in the book of Hebrews, he never leaves us and he never forsakes us. There's probably people under the sound of my voice, there's things you don't pray about no more because you've got distraught and discouraged. Can I say something? Don't give up. Hey, I won't say this. And you say, well, you know, you, you bragged about what a good church we are. You are. You're a good church, good people, but you're just people. Wonder what happened whenever the prayer time that you used to have was over. there's something in your prayer closet now. There's something up in your prayer closet now. That place where you used to go pray, you don't pray, you got something stuck in there. Get it out tonight. You say, why? Because prayer meeting makes a difference. Pray again. Pray again. Can I tell you something? And there's a hundred things running through my mind, but you know that over there in the book of James, chapter number five, I'm going to read you. I'm going to read it to you, and then I'm going to pray. James, chapter number five. And you know, that, you know that verse. You know that verse, the verse that we all quote and everybody loves. You know, the effectual fervent prayer uh, uh, availeth much. And we know the first part of that, the first part of it says this, though. Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of righteousness. Then it says this in verse number 17. Elias was a man subject to like passion as we are. As we are, he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. But here's what I want to tell you in verse number 18. This is the first three words, and he, the first four words, and he prayed again. What do you need to pray again about? Well, I prayed and God didn't answer. Pray again. The Bible said he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth fruit. You ever stop and thought about that? That second prayer that he prayed, shut up the heavens. The first prayer he prayed. Second prayer he prayed, open the heavens and cause the earth to be fruitful. Pray again. Pray again. You, you say, preacher, I, I, I'm hurt. I'm tired. Of, I, I've prayed. I've prayed out. I've prayed out. No, you haven't. You can pray again. You say, you say, preacher, I don't even know what to say. I, I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed that I quit praying. And I, and I know. I, and I'm ashamed in front of God. Can I say this? You're not the first person to do it. Get in an altar and tell God you're sorry. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we'll confess our sins, and I'm going to say this, prayerlessness is sin. That was wimpy and that was very weak. I'm going to repeat myself. Prayerlessness is sin. Amen. Say, God, I'm sorry. I quit praying. I got discouraged. I got distraught. God, forgive me. God, help me to pray like I ought to pray and start praying again. You say, why, preacher? Because prayer meeting makes a difference. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.